Well, good morning to you. Once again, thank you for being here. And I want to just start at the beginning by saying that this morning will not be like your typical trial sermon because most of the time in a trial sermon, you have not heard the person preach much or possibly not any. But that is not the case here. Um, Over the last 11 years, you've heard me preach many times. Over the last several weeks, you've heard me preach practically every Sunday. So with that in mind, you already know how I preach. So what we're going to be doing here in just a few moments is that we're going to continue right on with our sermon series from the book of 1 Peter. We're going to be in chapter 2 of 1 Peter, and we'll be beginning with verse 11 and continue through the end of that chapter. But before we get to our text this morning, I do want to talk about a couple of things. First of all, I want you to know and I want you to hear me say that I truly believe that God has called me here to be your senior pastor with everything in me. I sense that from God. Here's something else that I sense. I sense that the fields are absolutely ripe for harvest You know, on any given Sunday in Greensburg and Greene County, there are many people that are not in any given church that have absolutely no relationship with Jesus Christ. They have no affiliation with any church whatsoever. And here's something else I believe. I believe that many of those people are simply waiting for somebody to tell them about this man named Jesus Christ. And I believe we as a church are it. We are to go to them and tell them about this man named Jesus Christ and why relationship with him is so vital. Another thing that I believe is that I believe we're on the verge of seeing true revival here within the walls of this church. Over the last several weeks, we have seen people give their lives to Jesus Christ and commit to follow Him as their Lord and Savior, and they have followed through with believers' baptism. And I want to be really clear when I say this. It is God that's doing that. It is God that's doing that. We have prayed for this for years, and He's allowing our eyes to finally see some results of those prayers. But again, I want you to hear me say, it's God that's doing that. All praise and all glory goes to Him. And then the other thing that I want to address is this. I know that some of you are wondering, so will you continue to lead music? And here's the answer to that, no, I I won't continue to lead music. It's just, it's too much to expect that any senior pastor would also have the responsibility of music. You see, there is so much that goes on behind the scenes that is involved in pastoring a church that the vast majority of the people don't see. It's things that are related to ministering to people one-on-one and shepherding the flock that God has placed in this church. So we will need to follow the procedures that the church already has set up to identify the next music minister. What I will say, until that process can be completed, we will not have a Sunday that we don't have music. I will continue to lead music until we can find somebody else to do that, but we will need to start that process soon. 
And I want you to understand, God has called me to preach the gospel. He has caused me, called me to preach the gospel. He has called me to pastor this church. And I thank you for the opportunity. I'm humbled. I am humbled. I'm excited for us to reach this community for Jesus Christ. So with that said, let's get to our sermon for this morning. Just remember that the book First Peter, it is also a letter. It was a circulating letter that had to be passed from one Christian to another Christian. When Peter wrote this letter, the, the Christians were scattered among the location in the world that we currently know as modern-day Turkey, in Asia Minor. So in order for the Christians to see it, they had to pass it amongst themselves. There are two pieces of information that I want us to always remember as we look at our text. The first is the context. You've heard me say over and over again that context is so very important This was written by Peter to believers in Asia Minor, specifically the portion of Asia Minor that we currently know as modern-day Turkey. And he wrote this between A.D. 60 and A.D. 67. The other thing that we need to always keep in our minds as we proceed through this text is that there is indeed a recurring theme that appears over and over again. And it's this, that believers should follow the example of Jesus Christ. And they should do that by joyfully enduring persecution, joyfully enduring persecution. In fact, this morning's text, we're going to be dealing with persecution yet again. And later in the, in the sermon this morning, we're going to be talking about when persecution comes right here to this very church, what will we do? How will we respond? So at this point, if you are physically able to stand, I want to invite you to stand with us this morning to honor the reading of God's Word. Again, we're in First Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 11. And here's what God's Word tells us this morning. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. 
he committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for the reading of your word. This text is so rich this morning. Father, I pray that as I preach this text, you will simply hide me behind the cross. Lord, I pray that I will preach it completely, and I pray that I will preach it correctly. Father, I pray that your anointing will be upon me from, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Lord, I pray that you will anoint me and show me favor as I preach this message. Lord, I pray that I will point your people to you and to the cross. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, this morning, the title of the message, it, it's, it's one word. It's submission. Submission. And I realize that a lot of times when we hear this word, it sort of maybe rubs us the wrong way. But we're going to see in our text this morning that God expects submission. Now, remember last Sunday, if you heard that message, we saw uh, two main points last week. The first was that God expects his children to grow spiritually. And I need you to keep that in mind as we proceed through this morning's text, because it is absolutely still relevant that God wants his children. He expects his children to grow spiritually. The other thing that we saw last week is that as we come to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we come as a living stone in each of those living stones becomes part of a spiritual house that God is building. Each of our individual stones are placed upon Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. And then we're going to see this morning in our, in our text that we read that God has another expectation, and it's this. God expects his children to live our faith daily. And to realize that as a result of experiencing his grace, we are to be submissive, as indicated by his word. Now, as we look at this submission, we are going to start to see that as a part of the grace that God extends to us, we begin to understand that part of that grace means submission. This morning, we're going to see in our text two areas of submission, and then next Sunday, we will see another one. But again, I want to remind you that part of being a Christian is the expectation that we will indeed live our faith every day And God's word tells us that submission is part of this life. Now, as our text begins today in verse 11, Peter is writing and he is urging the reader, which now is us. We are now the reader. He he urges us to abstain from the passions of the flesh. And notice what those passions of the flesh do. They wage war against your soul. They wage 
war against your soul. Church, I want to encourage you, stand strong. Have your spiritual armor on. Realize that there is a war going on. There is a war going on. And if we give in to the passions of the flesh... The Scripture tells us exactly what's going to happen. They will wage war against our soul. And let me tell you what will not happen if we give in to the passions of the flesh. We won't grow spiritually. We will not grow spiritually if we give in to the passions of the flesh. And remember, we saw last week that God expects us to grow spiritually. Now, our conduct... It must be honorable, verse 12. Look what he says there. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Let's face it, church, our conduct must be honorable. There are people who are watching us day in and day out. Many of them are unbelievers. They are looking to see how we as Christians are going to respond. Now remember, people will sometimes say things about us that are bad. In those moments, we've got to press on. We've got to honor Christ in our lives. Now, when Peter wrote this particular text, there were rumors and all kinds of false accusations going on. Part of that, what was being said then, was the Christians were being accused of not being loyal to the state or to Caesar. Peter is giving them and us the reminder now. As we read this word, live your life in such a way that when people talk bad against you, that even they may see your good deeds and glorify God. That's how we are to live our lives today in such a way that God will be glorified even in the midst of things happening against us. Now, beginning in verse 13 and continuing through chapter 3, verse 12, Peter begins to give us several specifics of ways that we are to be submissive. We're going to cover two of those ways this morning. Now, verse 13 starts out with the text saying, Be subject or be submissive for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Now, I want to be clear this morning. When we are looking at what the Bible says about submission, there are two things that we've got to always keep in our minds. We are to be submissive as long as, number one, that we are not being asked to sin. We are to be submissive unless we are being asked to sin. Or number two is if we are being asked to do anything that would any possible way contradict God's word. Unless one of those two things are present, we are to submit. And as we're looking this morning, we are to submit to authority. So we are to obey unless we are being asked to sin. 
Now, remember, people are always watching us. And as we look at verse 15, Peter is saying here, live your life in such a way. This is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live your way in such a way that there's no question that you are honoring God with your life. Live your life in such a way so that when people say things about you, that even the unbelievers will know that those things are not true. Now, verse 16 reminds us that we are to live as people who are what? Free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. We Just to be clear, we are talking about spiritual freedom in Christ. We are not talking about political freedom here. Instead, we are talking about spiritual freedom in Christ. In church, we always need to remember that we have freedom over the power of sin in our lives, and we have freedom from guilt. And here's why. It's because of what the work that God, that Christ has done within our hearts. Remember that we are to live as servants of God not as servants of the world. And doesn't verse 17 sum it up perfectly? Honor who? Everyone. Do you realize that it is indeed possible to do that? Even the people that maybe we might disagree with, we can still be kind. We can still honor them. But remember, we can never compromise on God's Word. We can never compromise God's Word. We must tell the truth, and we must tell it in love. But we are to honor everyone. Then look at what he says, love the brotherhood. You realize what a blessing that is? It's such a blessing. We're supposed to love the people that we gather with, to worship with. We are supposed to love those people. What is it that Jesus says by this? They will know that you are my disciples if you have what? Love for one another. We are to love each other. We are to fear God. And I can tell you, there are so many people in our society today that appear to have absolutely no fear of God. We need to fear God. God is a mighty God. God is a powerful God. God is a just God. We need to fear Him. And then honor the emperor. Now, what he is saying here by honor the emperor, he is just simply saying to submit to authority. To submit to authority. Now, as we look at verse 18, you'll, you'll notice on the screen that the translation I'm using, the ESV, begins with the word servants. And I suspect that this morning, a number of your translations begins with the word slaves here. That both of those are an appropriate translation of the word that is used in the Greek there. But I want to tell you, I, I, I really believe that we can wrap our mind around this category of people if we do use the word servants. Because in the first century, this group that's being referred to here, servants, it included some people who were highly educated. It included doctors. It included teachers. It included secretaries. And so look what it says that they are to do. Be subject to your masters with what? All respect. 
And then it doesn't just stop there, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. And you might be asking this morning, how can that be? How can that be? Why would God have that expectation for any of us? Don't lose sight of the fact that our motivation for submission has to be a respect to God. I wonder, have any of you ever, I'm definitely not asking for a show of hands here, but have any of you ever worked for a supervisor that was not a Christian and had unrealistic expectations of you? And I would suspect that the answer is yes, that there would be a number of people who would fit that criteria. But again, unless we are being asked to sin or to do something that would contradict God's word, we can be subject to that person with all respect. Again, unless unless we are being asked to sin or do something that contradicts God's word, because our motivation for submission is our respect for God. And then verse 19 and 20 Peter goes on to talk about suffering. And I want to be sure that you understand here in this particular text that the type of suffering that Peter is commending here is not the type of suffering that results from making an intentional choice to sin. You know, I'm sure that you have heard your entire lifetime, for every decision we make, it has a what? Consequence. Right. And it does. If you make an intentional decision to sin, guess what? There is a consequence for that. You may suffer as a result of that. And that is not the situation that Peter is commending here. Instead, the situation that Peter is commending is when you do the right thing, when you honor God. And you still suffer as a result of that. So how, how are we to endure during those times? I want to take it a step further. Remember the overall theme uh, that keeps re- recurring throughout this book is persecution. So when true persecution comes to the church in America, let's take it a step further than that. When true persecution comes to Greensburg Baptist Church, how will we endure it? What will we do? But here's the answer. We must fully rely on God. Now, when we focus on the presence of God in our lives, it makes that situation that we're experiencing seem not nearly as severe. When we think about the persecution that happened to Jesus on the cross and we compare that to our suffering, there's usually, there's no comparison. There is no comparison. So it makes, it makes the situation look not quite as severe when we are going through persecution. But I want to remind you that whatever persecution that we experience for being Christians, when you compare that time period to eternity with Jesus, you will see that that time period is short. That time period that we are enduring persecution is short, but eternity is forever. I wonder this morning, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? When persecution comes, what will you do? Will you stand fast on the Word of God? Or will you be like some of the disciples were when Jesus was arrested and denied they ever knew Him? 
What decision will you make when persecution comes? I'll tell you what decision I'm going to make. I'm going to stand on the Word of God, and I pray that there will be others across this nation, across this world, that will do that exact same thing. So you might be wondering right now, so why doesn't Jesus just come back right now, right this very minute, put an end of all this stuff that's going on in the world today? Well, you know, he could. He could come back at any moment. But let's be clear. Scripture tells us that we don't know when he's coming back. But it's important to be ready. And I realize that every day, every day that he chooses to leave me here without coming back, that is an opportunity for me to tell at least one person about Jesus Christ. There are still lost people in a world and they are dying and going to hell. We have the responsibility to tell them the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, remember, Christ left us the example. Verse Verse 22 reminds us that he, Jesus Christ, committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. I love verse 23 because we are given such a beautiful example here. And as I read this verse out loud, I want you just to think for a moment how much different our society would be today if God's people responded like Jesus did in verse 23. When he was reviled, and I just want to define that word for just a moment. Let's say, let's, like one way that that can be defined is to abuse. Another way that revile can be defined is to say, attack with evil words. So when Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But here's what he did do. He continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. How much different would our society to be today if we all did that exact same thing? When we are reviled, we don't revile in return. When we suffer, we don't threaten. But what we do is continue to entrust ourselves to Him, God, who will, in fact, judge justly. And I pray, church, that over the last 11 years, you have seen that present in my life. Now look at what the result of Jesus on the cross is. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, on that cross. Why? That we might die to sin and to live to righteousness. Church, I've got to ask you this morning, in love, have you died to sin? Have you truly died to sin? And if so, are you living in righteousness? And if the answer to that question is yes, then here is what you can take comfort in. By His wounds, you have been healed. By His wounds, you have been healed. There was once, there was a time in your life before you came to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior that you, me, everybody else before they accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we were straying like sheep. But as a result of our salvation, we have returned to the shepherd, the shepherd, the good shepherd, and the overseer of your souls.
as we close this morning, I want to ask you, have you done that? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? As I say so many times, if you have not, if you have not done that, there would be absolutely no finer day than today to profess faith in Jesus Christ. Life here on earth is uncertain, but eternity is absolutely certain. Absolutely certain every person will spend eternity in one of two places, either heaven or hell. The way, and both of those places are eternal. Now, the way you go to heaven is if the blood of Jesus, that precious blood that Angie and all of us sang about earlier, thank you, Jesus, for the blood. The way we go to heaven is if that blood of Jesus Christ has covered us. And if you have come to a point in your life where you realized you were a sinner and you prayed and asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior and you confessed your sins, then that precious blood of Jesus covers you and you can indeed say thank you, Jesus, for the blood. But if you have not done that, you're living in a dangerous situation. And my, my approach is never to scare you, but instead to tell the truth. There are people that will, their lives will end today that they, did, they didn't see it coming. Maybe it's a car wreck. Maybe it's a heart attack. Maybe it's a stroke. You fill in the blank. Any of us, our lives could end today. Are you prepared to stand face to face before Jesus Christ? If that answer is no, I would love to talk to you today and introduce you to this man named Jesus Christ. This morning during the invitation, we're going to give you an opportunity to come forward. If you are here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I urge you to come forward today. I also urge you to come forward if, if perhaps you've realized that, hey, we are truly sitting in a situation where our fields are ripe for harvest, but I haven't been out in the harvest telling people about Jesus I'd urge you to come forward this morning and just just kneel at the foot of the cross and make the commitment that from this day forward, I am going to tell people about this man named Jesus Christ. And I'm going to continue to do that until the day that he calls me home and I stand before him. Perhaps you're wondering this morning, so how is it? How is it that someone asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior I truly believe, many of you have heard me say this over and over, I truly do believe it's as easy. That process is as easy as we teach people in vacation Bible school that it is. It's the ABCs of salvation. We've got to be willing to admit that we're a sinner. And that means to be honest and and admit that there are things in our life called sin that have separated us from God. We've got to be willing to admit that, that we're a sinner. We've got to be, believe that Jesus is God's Son, that everything that is said in the Bible about Jesus is true. We've got to believe that He loved us so much that He was willing to die on that cross for us. But the good news is that He didn't stay on the cross. His body was removed from the cross. It was placed in a tomb. And He didn't, he didn't stay in the tomb for very long either. Amen. He didn't stay in the tomb. That tomb was empty after three days because he rose again. We've got to believe that. We have got to believe that. We've got to believe that he's coming back again. We've got to believe that eternity is very real and that we are going to spend our eternity in one of two places, either heaven or hell. And in this sea of the ABCs, it's possibly the most difficult of all. 
that confessing part of the ABCs. It involves telling Jesus, I'm sorry for the sin that was in my life. But let me tell you what it also involves. It involves an intentional turning and walking away from a life of sin. And that's hard sometimes because we live in a world that is infested with sin. But it's still possible, church, to live in a world that's infested with sin and to keep your eyes on Jesus. It is still absolutely possible. I wonder this morning, do you know him today? I urge you to come forward during the invitation. You've heard me say before, I, I would love for us to wear the carpet off of this altar and have to replace it soon because the altar is used so much. I encourage you this morning, if you've got a need, please come and, and leave that need at the foot of the cross. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I thank you for this day that you've given us. Father, thank you for the richness of your text this morning. Thank you for your word that is true. Father, right now, as we prepare for this time of invitation, Lord, I pray that, that you would just move among this congregation. Lord, if there is one here this morning that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, Father, I pray that they will come forward and come forward immediately and make the most important decision of their life. Father, if there are people here this morning that are carrying in burdens, Lord, I pray that they will come forward and leave those burdens at the foot of the cross. Lord, we, we realize that burdens are indeed lifted at Calvary. Lord, I pray that we will give you our burdens and allow you to carry them. Lord, we realize that you are more than sufficient. Father, I pray that whatever the need is, that you will move throughout this congregation today in a mighty way. Father, I pray that this will be one of those days that you do immeasurably more, just like your scripture indicates, that you do immeasurably more than our minds can even think or imagine. Lord, we know that you are the ones, the one that can do it. All glory be to Christ. Amen.